Welcome to the Decode 6 podcast, where we take your questions about carbon and ecosystem services and match them to the experts with the answers. I'm your host, DJ May. Last episode, we talked all about enteric emissions from cattle. You know, the front-end methane that cows give off through burps as they digest their food. One promising way we can reduce greenhouse gas emissions from dairy and beef production is through feed additives that help reduce these methane emissions. So today we're asking the question, what are feed additives? How do they work? And what can they do to decrease the overall greenhouse gas emissions of dairy and beef production? Our expert with the answers is Dr. Ermias Kabrab, a professor at the University of California, Davis. Ermias conducts research in animal nutrition, mathematical modeling of biological systems, and the impact of livestock on the environment. He was a contributing author to the 2019 Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Update on Enteric Methane Emissions. He is also co-chair of the Feed Additive and Methane Committees of the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. He's a fantastic person to talk us through the ins and outs of feed additives. Ermias, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. We're going to dive right in. So what are feed additives for livestock? So feed additives, uh, they come in different forms. So we have feed additives to enhance uh, productivity. Um, in dairy, will be more milk yields, or it could also be feed additives that uh, maybe have influence on the color of the product and the smell of products and, um, and, and enrich some nutrients, for example, omega-3. And if you, if you use some uh, additives with it that are higher in omega-3, you might get into a product as well. And then uh, we have uh, specific ones that are anti-methanogenic. So basically try to reduce methane emissions uh, from animals as well. So they they come in in different uh, shapes and forms. Perfect. So I I definitely think we want to focus on the anti-methanogenic, that's a mouthful, feed additives. Um, Tell me, how do those work and what do they have to do with like the gut microbiome in cows? Uh, so the, the cows mostly they um, uh, they form methane in the gut, and it's really actually the microbes in the gut that are responsible for making um, methane. So there is a process called methanogenesis, in which uh, as the food that the animals consume is digested and fermented, um, they produce byproducts like hydrogen, and there are microbes in there. Some of them help in digestion. And fermentation and some of them utilize what is being produced by by those uh, other microbes so there are methanogens uh, that are not bacteria they are actually in a different kingdom altogether in archaea and they uh, have been specialized for a long time to utilize hydrogen as a source of energy so they use hydrogen that's that's a byproduct of fermentation and um, as they use it for for source of energy with carbon dioxide in the process they produce methane and, and methane is then need to be um, taken out of the, of the animal. And the way that um, the animal does it is basically through eructation or burping, most of the methane um, will come out. Uh, some of the methane is formed in, the, in their, in their um, uh, intestines later on, but that's also a lot of it is absorbed and is exhaled through the nostrils. So, through the mouth and through nostrils, you will get over 95% of the methane that's being formed in the animal will be taken out that way. Okay. 
So when you use feed additives, what are they doing in this process to decrease those emissions? All right. So when you use feed additives, there are two ways in which they can influence this natural uh, process. One is by directly targeting the methanogens themselves. Uh, so um, they will affect the methanogens. They will interfere with their ability to produce uh, methane. Uh, so these are called inhibitors, uh, methane inhibitors, where they will, um, through, through some uh, actions, particularly through their uh, enzymes, you know, they, have, they, have, they mimic some enzymes. And so they basically inhibit the methanogens from forming uh, methane. And then you have another group of uh, feed additives they would reduce the amount of hydrogen that's available for the methanogen. So, as I said earlier, um, the, if you have hydrogen in the in the guts and the dysarchia, they will use that hydrogen for, and then the byproduct is methane. So, if you um, basically take away the hydrogen or minimize the the amount of hydrogen in in the rumen, then they don't have as much uh, substrate to work with and, and convert it into into methane. So. Uh, those are what we call sort of rumen modifiers, and they work in different ways. Some of them, like nitrate, for example, it will take up um, hydrogen. Uh, it will be converted from nitrate to ammonia, which means that it will take up hydrogen um, uh, in that process so that there's less amount of hydrogen happening there, so less methane uh, coming in there. Others, they change the, the, um, uh, the fermentation byproducts. Uh, the fermentation byproducts, some of them are called acetate or propionate. Some of those processes, they produce hydrogen. Some processes, they take up hydrogen. And so if those um, fermentation byproducts are more into the propionate or the ones that are taking hydrogen um, from, the, uh, from the gut, then you will have less amount of hydrogen available for the methanogens as well. So work in two ways. Either you inhibit directly or you change the rumen environment so that you have less hydrogen available for the methanogens. Okay, so like really generally, it's almost like you're either targeting the methanogens or you're targeting the raw ingredients they need to make the methane. Exactly, yes. Okay, perfect. So when we talk about giving them to cattle, does it matter when or at what point? Or how does this work with the whole you know ration or diet of the cow? Yeah, so it, it, it depends uh, how they are working. Um, if they are targeting the, the methanogens directly, so the, the inhibitors, then they need to be sort of supplemented at a, at a regular uh, interval so that uh, it depends how long they stay in the rumen, you know, in, in, in the gut. So if they stay in the gut long enough, then you don't have to supplement it on uh, a regular basis. But if they are washed out very quickly, then obviously you have to, 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 to give them... Uh, on a regular basis. So, so far, the feed additives that we have, they have to be supplemented on a daily basis or at least every three days or so in order to see the benefits of reduction of, uh, of emissions. Uh, that doesn't mean that in the future we will have a way in which we can have those additives stay in, in the gut for a longer period of time so that they can release in a slowly and then, you know, you get that, uh, that benefit for a longer period of time. So that's the kind of where things are going in in the future uh, we don't have that right now what we have right now is that you have to give them on a daily basis so uh, this is fine if you have a confined uh, operation where like in a dairy system where uh, you know you have to see the the animals every day because you have to milk them and so you can give them those additives on a daily basis when they are being milked or you know when they when they're given um, their, their feed 
so that works fine. But the issue is when you have extensive systems where you have beef cattle in the range uh, grazing, and you may not see them on a daily basis, uh, particularly in the, in the summer when there when there is a lot of uh, lush uh, grass growing, uh, you might not see them uh, for, for for some time, and that presents a challenge because then you know, the you ha- you need a way in, in to to provide these uh, additives to them. Uh, so one of the ways that we are thinking about to uh, overcome that challenge is to have this uh, a bolus where you put this uh, additive and then slowly degrading there. The issue in the with the ruminants is that you know they are it's very active and it moves very quickly, uh, which means that um, you have to have a way in which you, you protect the, uh, the additives from being released too quickly. So you, you try to st- stay there in the rumen for, for a long period of time. And the other way is to have the additive be water soluble. So you can provide it in, in, in water form, or you can also integrate it with their um, mineral blocks. So even in grazing cattle, usually supplement them with uh, with minerals. And the animals, they come in and they, they have a lick block. They just lick this uh, mineral block as they need to. And you can integrate that uh, within that as well. So those are the things that are we are working on right now. So they, uh, nothing like that is available at the moment. This is still at the research um, sort of phase, uh, but the additives on a daily basis that is now available. The, there is at least one product that has been approved in Europe and uh, forty other countries, and probably coming to the United States in the in the next year or so as well. Okay, so tell me more about the product that has been approved. Um, you have to give it every day. Um, yes. I'm curious about any side effects. Does it? Do anything negative to the cows when you use it? Right. So the product has already been approved in, in Europe and a number of other countries. It's called um, 3NOP or bovire in, in Europe. And it has been tested very, very extensively. Uh, it's a lot of work that's been done. Well over 40, uh, probably 50 or more experiments have been done all over the world. Uh, quite a few of them in the United States, Canada, Europe, New Zealand, Australia. So it's been tested quite extensively. And uh, we've done some uh, analysis where we look at all of the stuff that has been done you know, over the last um, uh, five to 10 years. We, we, brought, we, we brought all the data together and tried to analyze them, try to figure out what is the efficacy. And we found out that it's about 30%, just over 30% reduction in dairy cattle uh, that you can get from, uh, from this, depending on the dose and you know, how much of it you, you're giving them and also uh, uh, the diet that you're using as well. So those are the main factors that will affect the, how effective it's going to be in reducing methane emissions. Um, and so uh, in terms of uh, side effects, uh, we have not seen any side effects uh, at all. So there is no impact on the animal health, and it's no impact on uh, yield, and, and there's no impact on the environment as well. So all of this have been uh, well-established, um, number of um, experiments, uh, both uh, experiments based on research stations or uh, in, in real field um, uh, in, in commercial operations have shown that you know, the, that reduction level, just over 30%, with no other um, uh, effects on, on health, uh, on uh, productivity, as well as on the environment. Well, that's great. Um, tell me about the, the cost. You have to give this every day. Is it a pretty 
big chunk of change? What will this run somebody? Yeah. Yeah. So the cost could it could, could be high um, if you're not getting anything out of the um, reducing uh, methane emissions, uh, right? Because it's as I said, there's no improvement in yield that has been shown. So it's it's an additional cost to the farmers. But in a lot of cases, you you can claim credit for carbon credit for reducing uh, methane emissions. So I think the cost right now is kind of offsetting the the, the carbon credit that, that that you would get. So in Europe, I believe it's been sold about one euro cent per liter of milk you're producing. So if the animals are producing 30, 40 liters of milk per day, then it will cost you about 30, 40 cents, uh, euro cents per, per day as well, per animal. Uh, so that's, that's uh, you know, it's not a, a, an insignificant cost to the, to, to the farmer. But then in Europe, uh, we probably be able to sell carbon about 80 euros per ton of carbon dioxide uh, equivalent reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, which means it kind of offsets the the cost that you're you're incurring for buying those additives by the, the cost of the carbon that that, that you're selling. So um, I think in the future it might come down so that farmers will actually benefit. There will be some uh, financial benefit uh, for using those as well. Um, but you know, uh, right now, uh, at least in Europe, I mean they they mentioned that uh, the pricing is going to be different uh, depending on location. And this is just at the beginning as well. There's um, new uh, factories being built so that when uh, productivity increases, when availability increases, the the cost might come down as well. Yeah, totally. Do you know, I'm, I'm kind of throwing this at you, do you know how many farmers use it now? Do we have any idea how widespread the use is? So right now, I think it's about 200,000 or so uh, cows are on it, um, mostly in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I see that this could expand quite a bit, uh, particularly if, when it's approved in the, in the United States. Um, we expect to be in less than a year. When it's approved, then it becomes more available. Then, and also the availability is an issue right now because um, they need to scale up the, the production of the feed additive itself. But when the feed additive is a, becomes more, more available and um, the demand also increases, then, then I, I see that uh, there would be uh, much more use of that. I know that there are some uh, legislations that uh, require the, the reduction of methane. For example, in California, we need to reduce methane emissions by 40% by 2030. Uh, and right now, we're not um, on course to meet that target. Uh, I think we're going to be like half of what's been targeted right now without any uh, enteric methane reduction. So enteric methane is very, very important to reduce it. And we don't have a lot of solutions so this is going to be one of the, the, the solutions that's going to be approved at the federal level. Um, so which means that um, I think the, the use and the demand for it, at least in the state of California, is going to be high. Yeah. Okay. So say I'm a farmer or maybe an advisor to a farmer, and I'm kind of keeping an eye on these feed additives, especially 3NOP in the next year. What advice would you give for maybe some of these early adopters in the United States who want to use it? Well, uh, actually, in California, if you're in California, in, in, you're in good luck because uh, the, the, the legislature just approved $25 million for early adopters. So if you are an early adopter, you can tap in into that uh, incentive uh, so that you can use those uh, feed additives and, and you know you, you, you will get benefit from that. So definitely, if you are in California, then it's a no-brainer. I mean, there's already funding available for a farmer 
to 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 take advantage of this. Um, in the rest of the country, I think um, you have to watch, uh, keep keep an eye on uh, the carbon markets. Uh, there are uh, now um, opportunities or creating opportunities uh, for a marketplace. Uh, and the marketplace basically is, is trying to match up uh, farmers that are reducing emissions with um, organizations that want to buy those those uh, uh, credits. So there, there, there is a way to, to be able to cover your costs, hopefully a bit more than that, than just covering your costs to, by using those, those feed additives as well. So there is still you know, developing as coming up. This marketplace has been, has, has been developed right now. So with the development of the marketplace and with uh, um, incentives like the one in, in state of California, I think the use of those feed additives would substantially increase once they are approved by the federal government. No, that's great news. That's great. Um, one last thing. What excites you the most about the research that's going on, maybe into those other types of additives you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so I think the, the most exciting thing is that there is a lot of investment happening right now. Uh, I think there is a realization that this is something that needs to happen. This is something that we can do. And uh, it helps the, the environment in the short term because methane is a short-lived climate pollutant. So we really need to address that. And you know, we, we can get a kind of a quick win if we are able to reduce emissions. And you know, uh, the majority of emissions from livestock is in, term, in the form of enteric methane around the world. Uh, so this is this is a, um, a solvable uh, issue, and that, that will help the uh, with the climate as well. So I, I'm very excited to see that there's a lot of work that's happening. Uh, we already have one that's been approved. We have one uh, that is um, uh, also approved for sale in California, um, uh, Rominata, which needs to be approved by the federal government, but. And, and the legislation overall is being overhauled in, in a lot of countries. In the U.S. also, there is a new bill that has been introduced to kind of streamline the uh, the process by which those kind of feed additives will be approved. Uh, the, the Canadians have recently changed uh, or, or improved, uh, modified the way that uh, feed additives have been um, uh, sort of processed as well. So... I, you know, this is all really exciting to see the the this the pace of this changing is is a lot, and you know, um, together with US, UCSF and UC Berkeley, we received seventy million dollars to develop a new technology for reducing methane emissions as well. Uh, so you know, it's an extremely exciting time to be involved in this kind of work. Yeah, a good time for you for sure. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me. If you want to learn more about Dr. Kubrayev's research or the options for feed additives, check out the show notes. And if you liked this episode, I hope you subscribe or better yet, share it with a friend or a colleague who might be interested. And if you want to learn more about carbon and ecosystem services and ways to improve agriculture, come visit us at decode6.org. We'll see you there.